Well, amen. Can we just thank the Lord for the Khalils? Grateful for them. Yes. I tell you, it's been uh, such a blessing to enter into the Advent season. We had the bandies uh, last week sharing with us in the Hope Candle and then the Khalils this week with Peace. And so we had Hope last week, which is lit, and then uh, peace, which is lit today, and then we'll have joy, love, and this is the Christ candle. Uh, we will talk about the Christ candle on Christmas Day. So that's that service that you can press play on on Christmas Day, uh, that's what it'll be surrounding. So looking forward uh, to that. So grateful that we get the opportunity today to talk about the gospel of peace, why peace matters. As we, as we think about the peace that bonds Christians together, we understand that we share the this in Christ. In Christ, we're individually encouraged. Uh, in Christ, we are unified. And in Christ, we see that the message of the gospel is authenticated because we're gathering together from different stages of life. As Pastor Sean said, multi-generational, coming from uh, different backgrounds, different cultures. We are able to come together and declaratively say in unison, that Jesus is Lord, that we have peace with God through the finished work of Christ on the cross. So a born Jesus looks ultimately to Easter when he goes to the cross and he rises again so that all who trust in him could have everlasting life. We're going to talk today about the peace of Christ. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 10, only two verses today, verses 14 and 15. So if you'll turn there, Romans chapter 10, Abronsus Biblis and Alibro de Romanos, Capitulo 10, por favor. Romans chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 14. While you're finding your place, I want to tell you a story about someone that may sound familiar to, the, to you. Uh, a man named William Carey. William Carey is what many have deemed as the founder of modern missions and Whenever he first felt the call to go and share the gospel uh, with different people groups who had not the gospel, he went to his church board and he said, hey, like, I, I need to share the gospel and I want to go to India to do this. Well, one of the board leaders looked at William Carey and he said, hey, look, young man, I know you want to share the gospel and I know you feel called to go to India, but if God chooses to save the people over there, he'll do it without your help. Well, even though William Carey found this to be odd, he didn't let this discourage him because he knew that God had a purpose and a call on his life. He felt led of the Lord to go to India. And so God made a way and so much pioneering work was done through William Carey in India that is still taking place today where many are calling on the name of the Lord Jesus for salvation and they are experiencing the peace of Christ that can only come in Jesus. Now, why does that matter for us today? Because as we consider the two verses that we're going to be in today, we're going to look at the reality of our call. If you're a Christian here today, you, just like William Carey, are called to share the gospel of peace with those around you. Not, not everyone will be called to serve on the foreign mission field. Not everyone will be called to be a vocational pastor or preacher like, like I am. Uh, but you are called. I can guarantee this. Now, God's going to raise a lot of you up to serve on the foreign mission field. God's going to raise a lot of you up to serve in vocational ministry. But we know this to be true. Everyone who is a believer, a follower of Jesus, everyone is called 
to be one that heralds the truth of God's word. And so we need to see why that's important. We need to see what the word of God has to say about that. So if you're willing and able, please stand in honor of reading Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14. If you're there, we say amen. amen. Romans 10 verse 14. Now we know that 14 makes sense if we know where we came from. Verse 13 is where we finished last week. Very critical verse. It says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now look at verse 14. How then will they call on him whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So what Paul is saying here is, if you are to call on the name of the Lord to be saved, and everyone who does is saved, you have to first believe, but how are you to believe unless you hear? And how are you to hear unless someone preaches to you? And how is someone to preach to you unless they are sent to preach to you? We know that scripturally speaking, all Christians are sent to share the good news. Uh, Christ, as he sent his disciples, he said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then verse 15, uh, the second part says, as it is written, <clears throat> how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. May God bless the reading and proclamation of his word today. You may be seated. The first question I want to ask you today directly from our text is, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Savior? Do you believe that he is mighty to save? You know, the Bible is very clear that you won't call upon the Savior until you believe that he can save you. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But in order for you to be saved, you have to believe that he is the Savior. You know, when the angel approached Joseph and told Joseph what to name his son, he said, you name him Jesus because Jesus means Savior. And Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. What does it mean to be a Savior? Well, a Savior is one who rescues people from distress. A Savior is one who gives their own life so that another life may be spared, another life may be rescued. Do you believe, do you believe that Jesus is the Savior, that he has come to save his people from their sins? You see, you have to hear this morning that the night that Jesus was born was, without a doubt, a holy night. As the old Christmas carol says, silent night, holy night. It was a holy night to be sure. It wasn't a silent night. The reason it wasn't a silent night is because everyone was shouting the birth of the coming Messiah. The one that was prophesied about going door to door, knocking on the doors, telling the community, telling the world that a Savior has been born. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that a Savior came, a born Jesus, so that he could ultimately go to the cross to bear the weight of our sin, not his, but mine and yours, past, present, and future, so that all who call on him shall be saved, so that we are imputed his righteousness, so that that gap between us and God is filled with his precious blood, and we are now made right with God because of the work of Jesus. Do you believe in this Jesus? Brothers and sisters, if you walk down Salem Street, which is just to my right, and you look downtown, man, you'll see on those old lampposts, you'll see angels. 
you'll see them with trumpets. Uh, this is a, an incredible declaration. It's far more than decoration. It's an incredible declaration that we glean directly from Luke chapter 2. You see, in Luke chapter 2, we see that in the same region where the shepherds were in the field keeping watch of their flock by night, an angel appeared in the midst of them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. But the angel said to them, hey, don't be afraid, because what I'm bringing to you is great joy for all people. Remember verse 13? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is great news for all people. Well, what is the news? Well, verse 11, for unto you on this day in the city of David, a child is born, a savior who is the Christ. Here's how you'll know it's him. He'll be a baby wrapped up in swaddling clothing, lying in a manger. And suddenly uh, there is an angel in a great multitude of heavenly hosts. They were praising God and they were shouting in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those for whom he is pleased. When you see those old angels on the lamppost in downtown Salem, once again, far deeper meaning than a simple Christmas decoration. It is a declaration of a born Jesus, a Savior who was sent to us for all who call on him shall be saved. Man, Christmas is fun. We like the lights and the trees and the Santa Claus and all the things. But may we never forget what Christmas is all about. Don't forget that Christmas is about Christ the Savior, and we must believe in him. If you want peace in your life, man, understand the gospel of peace, that God sent his son, Christ, a Savior, to save his people from their sins. Now, in order for you to believe this, you must first hear this. Now, what does it mean to hear the word of God? Well, in order to hear the word of God, we need to know that there's a clear distinction between hearing what man has to say and hearing what God has to say. You see, in Luke 10, when Jesus sends the disciples out, he says this, if they accept you, they accept me. If they reject you, they are rejecting me. We are simply messengers. So as you're telling your neighbor, your coworker, your family, as you're sharing the gospel with them, you need to be reminded that you are simply a messenger and your call is not to saturate what you tell them with your own opinion, not to saturate what you tell them with your own thought, but to give them the truth of the gospel. Yes, it is true. We live in a culture today that is constantly rejecting the thing. This is not a new thing. This is an age-old problem. We know this to be true. We live in a culture that is almost combative to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And certainly there are areas around the world where we can, without a doubt, emphatically say they are combative towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let that not dissuade you, brother and sister. Let that not discourage you, brother and sister. No, you give them the truth of the gospel. This is what our people need, man. They need Jesus. They don't need my opinions, my jokes, my stories, as amazing as they are. Thank you for laughing because I meant it that way. They, listen, that's not what we ultimately need. We can use those things to help connect dots and we want to use our own personality. But at the end of the day, we must never veer from the truth of the word of God. So in order for people to believe, they need to hear. But what do they need to hear? They need to hear the truth. 
There's an old story about that James Montgomery Boyce shares about this guy named Gypsy Smith. Now, Gypsy Smith was an old evangelist who got his name from uh, the way he grew up. He grew up in an old gypsy camp. And he was a fascinating, compelling storyteller. And he would get up and he would tell story after story and the crowds leaned in, man. They loved the way Gypsy Smith spoke. But at the end of the service, when he invited people down, there were droves of people that came down. But what those who were biblicists realized is, man, Gypsy told a lot of stories, but he didn't use the Bible. He didn't share a lot about the truths of God's word. And so when people responded, they couldn't help but wonder, are they responding to Christ or are they responding to Gypsy? You see, I never get offended in the way you respond or the way that you don't respond because my goal and my aim as I stand on a platform before you each Sunday is for you to see Jesus, man. And I want you to respond to him so I'm not offended. I, I'm not discouraged. There was a time where I was and I was hyper-focused on how I did and did it connect and all that. But man, my entire goal is to have you hear the truth of God's word. And what I need you to hear is less Zeb and more gospel. And can I tell you this today? As you are sharing with your world around you, your unique mission field that God has given you, as you are sharing with them, may you be faithful in declaring the truth of God's word. Now, don't let this scare you, man. Because some people will say, well, hey, listen, I want to share the gospel, but I don't think I'm very eloquent in speech. I don't know if I'm going to get it all right. Hey, can I just say, I'm not necessarily the picture of eloquence, and I'm your pastor, okay? Don't worry about those things. What you need to worry about is, man, you get in the word because you can't give what you don't got. What I say about eloquence a minute ago? Can't give what you don't got, all right? Get in the word and digest that word and cascade that word to the next person because they need to believe. And all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but how can they call unless they believe? And how can they believe unless they hear? Hey, can I say this to you as well today that belief in Jesus is far more than simple intellectual assent in a variety of truths. A belief in Jesus is it's almost guttural. It's, it's at the seat of our emotions in our heart. There's an emotional side of this of, God, I, I don't just intellectually accept, but I really believe that you gave your life for me. Now, we never divorce the intellect from this belief. It is incredibly important that we in our minds understand what we believe in our heart but as that comes together we see that this is real for us it's not just historical for us it's not just a family heritage thing for us no we believe that Jesus is able to save us from our sins and then we make it very very personal I believe that Jesus can save me confess that I'm a sinner. I recognize that. I'm aware of that. I'm asking Jesus to save me of my sin. And I praise God that he is a greater Savior than I am a sinner. And praise the Lord that he gives me a new name. Praise the Lord that he gives me new life. Praise the Lord that he is the one that does the work in me. And praise God that he's still working on, on me. So need to believe, need to hear. And in order for them to hear, they've got to be preached to. And again, we must preach the word of God because here's the danger. There are many that will leverage certain pieces of God's word 
for personal gain. And this is where we have to be careful. We have to preach the full counsel of God's word and we have to have this keen awareness of when others are inserting personal uh, desires, they're, they're using or leveraging or manipulating God's word for personal gain. And then they're saying things like this. this here's some, some kind of key trigger words. They're saying things like, God told me or the Holy Spirit led me to. And then they say something that is misaligned with scripture or that is intended to benefit themselves somehow. Like I believe God said. They're kind of using the God card to get their own way. This is where we have to be careful. This is exactly how cults are started. There's a little bit of truth that's embedded into a lot of lies. Same with false religions, right? Where there's a little bit of Jesus, but we've added to it or we've taken some things away. This is exactly how abusive relationships happen. That I, listen, I'm this godly person and if you really love me, you'll do this, 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 and this. And, and there's a little bit of truth that's leveraged to manipulate, manipulate, manipulate. This is why prosperity preachers' pockets are, are filled to the brim because they'll use a little bit of truth, the real you in, and they'll say, if you just give to me, I'll throw you my spring miracle water and you'll have everything you need in life. And people are just buying into it because of manipulation. This is where, when we consider who the preacher is, we need to make sure that we are preaching the truth of God's word. Don't take away, don't add to, pay careful attention of those who leverage the name of God to manipulate or to try to persuade in the negative sense. We need to know that we are called to preach so that others can hear, so that they can believe. And what we're called to preach is the truth of God's word, not anything for personal gain. And as we do this, we realize that, how are we able to preach unless we're sent? We realize that Christ has sent his church, every one of us. If you're a Christian today, Christ has sent you. As I said earlier at the beginning, not everyone's gonna be called to serve on the foreign mission field. Not everyone's gonna be called to serve in vocational ministry, but you can bank on the fact that every believer is called to go to your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. You're called. You're called to your home. You're called to your neighbor. You're called to your workplace. Think of it this way. If they need to believe in order to call on the name, name of the Lord to be saved. And they can't believe unless they hear. And they can't hear unless they're preached to. And how are they going to be preached to unless they're sent? If we think about that and we believe in the word of God, how can we day after day, week after week, month after month, even year after year, how can we have that coworker in mind that we know is lost? And they are reaching for all kinds of things to try to satisfy that hole that's in their heart. They're trying to amass all of these things because maybe if I can just amass enough stuff, I'll feel contentment in my heart. Or, or, or maybe if I can just do enough with my life, that will bring some type of satisfaction because my name has been elevated. And all the while we're sitting there day after day, week after week, month after month, even year after year, knowing that we've been sent, yet we're not preaching to them so that they can hear, so that they can believe, so that they can call on the name of the Lord. I, I'm like you. I know sometimes we're like, man, I just don't know if I can do that. This is challenging. Or, you know what? I don't even know if I like that person. I hear you, man. 
And the enemy is going to do everything he can to get into your ear and to make you think that you should not share the truth with them or there's justification for, uh, you know, for you not doing this. But can I just tell you this reality? And God's called you to do it. And I'm not one of those that believes that we're supposed to be the megaphone people where we just go out and everywhere we go to every person, we're yelling through the megaphone, get right or get left, get anointed or get disappointed. Come on, I'm like, that's not me. Turn or burn, right? It's not, what I am saying is there is a clear gospel call on your life. And if you, brother and sister, you pray, and this is kind of our initiative, our strategy as a church, if you pray for just those three people that God would bring to your mind, just in your spirit, bring to your mind that don't know the Lord, if you'll pray for them and then pray for opportunities to bless them, remember the BLESS acronym, BLESS strategy, how can I begin with prayer? How can I listen to them? How can I share a, a meal with them, right? As we kind of go through that BLESS strategy, serve them and then share the gospel hear this, God will show you that, hey, it's that person at work. <laughs> hey, it's, it's your neighbor. Hey, it's your, it's your brother. It's your sister. Right? It's your son. It's your daughter. It's your mom. It's your daddy. That's one of your three. And, and I want you, and you'll, you'll sense this, man. The, the Lord just prompting you that I, I want you to tell them so that they can hear, so that they can believe. You're sent to do this. And I want this to be an encouragement to you to know that this is something you do. Listen how this, listen how this passage ends. I love this kind of a crescendo moment. For me, I love the second part of verse 15. It says, as it is written, love this, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now this is, this is the imagery of a, a runner who was coming in from battle with the good news of victory. So the war has won, has been won. And so he's running, man. And you see dust flying up and, and this messenger's just running along. And when they see him, they say, man, those are some beautiful feet because I know he's coming to tell us that the victory has been won. This is an Old Testament reference of Isaiah 52, 7, where uh, you know, God's people were in exile and the messenger is saying here, Isaiah is telling his people that those who were living in captivity and exile have now been set free. God God's going to free them from their captivity. And thousands of years later, now we see Paul here in Romans, another messenger proclaiming the good news of peace, of salvation that is found in Christ alone. And God's going to free them from their captivity of sin. How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. I got to tell you, aesthetically speaking, my feet ain't too pleasing. When I was younger, I don't know, 15-ish years ago, I uh, used to run a lot. I've obviously grown out of that, but I used to run a lot. And I had this issue with my toe, so I went on WebMD to find out what was going on. And I self-diagnosed myself with an ingrown toenail. So I did what everybody does. I went on YouTube and asked YouTube how to fix it. I said you had to cut it out. So I took my old case pocket knife that was oxidized and rusting. And uh, I went to work, man. I thought I fixed that thing. It felt better for that day. But the next day, 10 times worse. So we end up going to the doctor. My wife goes with me. I can barely walk. The doctor does all this work on me. He cuts stuff out and puts this thing on, like it's a whole thing. He calls me dumb and sends me home, right? My wife agreed, by the way. And that thing never healed up, right? 
I was also kneeboarding down the Swanee River when I was younger. And uh, it's an old dark tannin river, so you can't see. And where I fell off, I fell off in a shallow area, didn't know it. Hit my foot on the bottom, broke one of my toes. I didn't know I broke my toe until I swam to the boat. And my toe just like had no control over it. That thing never healed up, right? Uh, had this little concerning spot that the doctor cut off different part of my foot. So man, my feet, aesthetically, they ain't too pretty. But I love this passage, man. You wanna know why? It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Hey, can I, can I say this to you as well today? By God's grace, I've had some pretty cool opportunities to share the gospel with people. And I've got to see a lot of people place their faith in Jesus. I've had the privilege of seeing people go from death to life spiritually, going from a blindness to being able to see. I praise God for this 20 years ago, man. Check this out. 20 years ago, I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with my now wife of 19 years. Awesome. As I look around this room, what I know to be true is there's a lot of beautiful feet in here. And you are faithful in carrying that good news. You know, all we're called to do is very simple. It's just like the man who was blind and his friends loved him enough to take him by the hand to the pool of Siloam to meet Jesus. You see, he couldn't get there on his own because he was blind, so someone had to take him by the hand. They took him by the hand and met Jesus. Jesus touched him. He washed in the pool of Siloam. He's now free. He can see. He's healed. And I love that picture because this is our entire call. We are not called to save anybody. We're not called to try to fix them and then get them in the church. No, we are called in the midst of their brokenness to say, I can relate to you. Let me take you by the hand, man, and lead you to Jesus because he's the one. He's the one that can change your life. How beautiful are the feet of those that take them by the hand and lead them to Jesus, man. So I think about life group leaders. I think about student ministry leaders. I think about our kids ministry, which has grown by like 150 kids over the last year. I'm not talking about some total of 150. I'm talking about like 150 plus what we already had in the last year. I, it's, it's amazing to think of the droves of people that it takes to spend time in there because it's not a babysitting time for us it's a time of gospel opportunity how beautiful are the feet of those who are in there with my two girls who are in there my son who's in student who are sharing the good news of Jesus how beautiful are the feet of those I think about you when you do go to your workplace every day you are in your homes each day you're in your neighborhood each day and you have this awareness of gospel opportunity in front of you and you're living out the calling that God has on your life to live a sent life. How beautiful are your feet, man, that God would use you to share the truth so that others can hear, ultimately believe, and call on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. You know, as I think about what all of this means for us, I cannot help but recall of the truth that we've all been commissioned We've all been commissioned and sent out into the world to proclaim the good news of God's love and saving grace. And God promised that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but it all begins with our feet going. And our feet are carrying the good news. We are the messengers that's carrying the good news. So how beautiful are your feet? Are you bringing the good news of Jesus to those around you? This is for the Christian. Are you 
taking this call of God upon your life? Seriously, are you using your business? Are you using your home? Are you using your position within the community? Are you using your platform, whatever it may be, to have beautiful feet? Or have you denied that area of your life? Today, I pray that you'll commit to saying, I'm gonna start using it more to God's glory. Because remember the previous verse that says, as you do this, you're never gonna be put to shame. It doesn't mean everything's gonna go your way, but it does mean that the Lord's got you. He's got you. If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, let me just say this to you. I'm so glad you're here. And if we've learned anything from the book of Romans, we've learned that we serve a sovereign God, providential God. And what that means for you today is you are not here by happenstance or by mistake. Like the Lord has you here. The question for you today is very, very simple. Are you gonna call on the name of Jesus to be saved? Are you gonna recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior? And you believe, you believe intellectually, you believe in your heart, those merge together. You believe that Jesus was sent. This is what Christmas is about. That's why the angels are hanging on the lamppost because they have declared that Christ, Savior, has been born. We know the rest of the story. Died on the cross, rose again, so that all who trust in him can be saved from their sin. Do you believe that today? If so, will you call on him? Will you ask the Lord to come into your life? I'd love to talk to you after this service if that's you today. All right, I'm gonna ask you to stand. I wanna pray for us. We're gonna sing this last song together. Father, thank you for your love, your kindness, your mercy. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that you have spoken to our hearts today. And God, I pray as we, uh, Lord, finish this service, Lord, that you will... Lord, do a work in us that only you can accomplish, God, as we respond to you. God, I, um, Lord, I ask boldly today, Lord, if there's one here that does not know you, God, that they would believe, that they would call on your name to be saved. And I ask boldly, God, those that do know you that are here, followers of Jesus, God, that we would all take this call to live a sent life so serious knowing that you've sent all of us to herald your truth, the gospel of peace for all who trust in him. We pray this in the powerful name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen.